from Parsha to Tzavah. Okay, so that's that. Got so many choices, so we'll get it. Okay. So then what I wanted to do... It's a short one. Um, page Kuf Chaf And it's on the right side of the page, third paragraph. Ya'aroch Oseh. So it says that you take the oil for the menorah and the Kohen, he arranges it. He arranges it from night until morning. Because this is why it says because really you think it should say he should light it and it will last from the nighttime until the morning. Why does it say he will arrange it? If you think about it, let's just say, for example, when you light your Hanukkah menorahs, first you arrange them, you know, set them up, and then you light them. It seems to be focusing on the arranging part of it. Why doesn't it say, and he lit them? So he says, key. Because the essence, the, the main part of the lighting that really came from above. It's true that he physically lit the menorah, but the actual uh, power of that really came from Shemayim. Kamoshikasiv, as it says, Shatihiya Olameleha, that the candle should, the flame should rise by itself. Just to say it's, it's happening really from a higher, a higher koa. Rak, Sha'ayadea Rikas HaKohen, but it's first through the arranging of the Kohen when he arranges the candles that's where the or that's where the light comes from so the idea is this that we do what we are able to do down here in our world and then Hashem looks at that and his higher light shines upon that which we do so it focuses on so he shall arrange it because it wants to let us know that's the part that we do and then the light from the menorah comes from above. Even though, of course, he physically lights it, but the emphasis is on we do our portion, and then God blesses it with his, with his or with his light. Not yet. I just want to point out one um, observation. When they were giving the patterns for the set of, of the Mishkan, where everything was to go, there is a, before you start the actual process of the operation, there was a certain pattern, what direction goes where. Mm-hmm. That's why... Mm-hmm. Um, in this uh, particular project, all the in, in, intricate details some people find don't care or find boring. All that each had its own pattern. How many right. loops? How many this or that? Right. There isn't every so it's like a reflection from above in an order, very orderly fashion, and a reason for each. Yeah, we have to set it up in that way, and then the light from above shines onto it. That's right. That's right. Okay, now we'll do one from Purim, and then we'll also do one from Parsha Zohar. Uh, first of all, an interesting thing, although it doesn't come out that way this year, chronologically, but we'll take its message anyway. The very first mimer on Purim, page Kuf Chafhei. Right, ordinarily, Tainus Esther is the day right before Purim. So this year it's not, it's a little bit earlier because you can't have Tainus Esther on Shabbos. So let's, look, let's take a look at this idea. Harishonim Hikshu, the earlier... Uh, Chachamim and Tzadikim, they had 
question. Al-Kaviyas Tainus Esther Beyom Yud Gimel. Why the Chachamim were Mesakein, the fast of Esther on the 13th of Adar? Because it actually would seem to be a problem. Shahumi Lifnehem Shopurim. That's the day right before Purim, and ordinarily you're not supposed to fast the day right before Yemtis. And here the Chachamim go ahead, and they establish a Tainus right before Yemtis. Usually you don't do that. That's Lifnehem. Vatamhu. So he says the reason is as follows. Dikamo biyom kippur. Chukba yom shalafon of lachila ushasiyah. Just like on Yom Kippur, we know there's comparison between Purim and Yom Kippurim. Just like over there, the day before the fast, which is Arab Yom Kippur, is a day of eating and drinking, and there's a mitzvah to eat on Arab Yom Kippur. And we know that fasting after, I'm sorry, yes, fasting after you eat is harder, because your stomach is expanded, so it makes the fast a little more difficult, a little bit more challenging. Kamochein, likewise here, B'Simchas Purim, on the day of our celebration of Purim, Nikbay Yom Shalafon of Latinus, the day before Purim is established as a fast day, Mivnei, Shehasimcha Achar Hatainus Gedola Yoser. So too, the joy which follows a fast is also greater. So you fast on Tainus Esther, and that emphasizes and magnifies the joy of Purim. The Im Kenan, therefore, Kevan Shakol Ikaro being that the main reason for establishing the Tainus of on the thirteenth, who Kidelahagdila Purim is in order to increase the Simcha of Purim, it's not within the category of things that you cannot do before Purim before Yantin. So had the Tainus been deemed by the Chachamim to take away from the Simcha of Purim, then apparently they wouldn't have established it then. But being that the Tainus emphasizes and increases the Simcha of Purim, therefore it's fine to lead into it how with the Tainus. I'm still unclear on how it's uh, increasing unless you're drinking that stomach. I think he's saying like when a person is in a state of, um, you know, somewhat of, of sadness then the joy that follows sadness is more highlighted so than the would, joy that follows so yeah. why wouldn't we establish a timeless before every other I don't know it's a good question or why wouldn't we look at it in the same way unless it's not possible I just want one thought here maybe it's not possible by the other Yom Tovin to cross that bridge so easily so that the timeless during the day actually detracts but Purim, whose simcha is so overwhelming and spills over so much, perhaps even the transition from Tainus to simcha is smoother, and therefore it's able to be accomplished on Purim. Possibility. It says something about the simcha of Purim, you know, and how unique it is that it can take the Tainus of the day before and bring it into simcha. Okay. Okay, there's another one on the next page. Where did that go? Yeah, two pages later, page Kufhafhet.
third paragraph on page Kufchav Tess where it says Minhag Kol Yisrael. Okay, it is the Minhag and Kol Yisrael to have the Sudas Purim, Purim late afternoon and then it extends into Shushan Purim at night. But that's how it's how it's done, Minhag Yisrael. On page Kufchav Tess. He wants to talk about that Minhag. It is the minhag of Chal Yisrael to eat the Purim Suda on the night which follows Purim. And that's to say that it, it extends into the following night, into Shushan Purim. So what's the reason? You figure you would... Why would you establish the Suda in such a way that it goes into the next day? Why Wouldn't you want to have it on Purim Day and emphasize that? This is now by time. Kiriisa the midrash. It says in the midrash by midbar. Shofech dam rishoim ki ilu hikriv korban. Says a person who destroys wicked people, it's as if you have brought a korban. So what do you know about a korban? V'kodshim ne'achalim liyom v'layla shalaachar kach. When you eat a korban, kodshim, you're supposed to eat it by day and then the night which follows it. That's how a korban is eaten. Yom and Laila Shalachara. So the Achila of Purim is like a korban. That's what he's saying. That's how Kadosh it is. But since the downfall of Amalek happens through the hands of Kla Yisrael on Purim, the Purim Se'uda is like a korban. And just like a korban starts by day and you can continue eating it at nighttime, so too the Se'uda of Purim starts by day and you continue to eat it the following night. And that shows that it's kadosh like a korban. Now, Rabbi, how, yes, do you, how do we get around the explanation when Purim falls on Friday, as it has, and you cannot go into Shabbos, so you have to do it early now? Right. Well, there Shabbos overrides, you know, because okay. you're not allowed to make that, okay. in, that in that example. Right. Okay. Happens sometimes in Yerushalayim like that. Next, next yeah. Friday. On Friday, yeah. Pretty rare, but it does happen. Something like that. Right, so that's the great Kedusha of Achilles Purim, is that it's like a carbon. Okay, let's see one more here. Uh, also a short one. This goes on the next page, Kuf Haftes. Again, the third paragraph. Must be something in the air today. He said the Gemara. The Gemara, it's brought down, Rabbi Natan the Purim. Rabbi, Rabbi Huda Hanasi, he used to plant a certain planting on Purim. Lumaskinan, and they conclude there, Natiya shal simcha nata. He planted something that was of joy. Maybe it was a tree that brought him simcha. Not sure. So what is it saying that you plant simcha on Purim? Sharamzu bazet. The, the remez is, ki bapurim yecholim lita natiya simcha bleiv. Ha'adam. On Purim, a person is able to plant joy within their heart. To be joyous in the service of Hashem. So what does it mean to plant? If a person experiences joy and then the day is over and the joy is gone, then that's not planting. It's just kind of passing through. But if you plant something and it's there and it takes root, now you know it blossoms and it flowers and it's permanent. And that's what he wants to say about the Simcha of Purim. It's planted within us 
so that it stays within our heart after Purim is over and continues with us. It doesn't simply, uh, it's not simply an experience for us which then goes away. So that's Rebbe Natan Natiyah B'Purim. Rebbe planted this planting of Simcha on Purim so it would stay in his heart. And the same thing for us, Simcha's Purim in our heart. Perhaps it was an Ezra. Maybe an Ezra. Same concept. Yes, Andrew. I have a couple questions. Please. Number one, does that um, simcha go from yump to yump from form to I don't know how long the simcha purim lasts here. I don't know how long it lasts. You know, something about this almost sounds like it just lasts forever. You plant something and it's there. But that might not be the case, and it could have a shear to it. I don't know what the shear is. Because that was my next question. <laughs> is it also true for Shavuos, for Pesach? If you have the idea of Isru Chag, the day after Yom Tov, and then certainly the seven days after Yom Tov. And also when it comes to um, you know, Tesukas and Shemini Atzeris, Simchas Torah, the tefillah that we say there includes that the Simcha of Sukkah, of Sukkot and Shemini Atzeris that should go into the whole year that follows. You can also look at it that it lasts until Hanukkah. That the joy of Sukkot takes us till Hanukkah and then Hanukkah takes us the next, the rest of the way up till Purim and then Purim till Pesach. But I don't know where you draw the lines there. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know if it's the same level of Sukkot? I don't know. I think uh, as kind of a, a machshava or a kavana on Purim, this is a, an important idea. And the, the idea that um, that you don't want the simcha to just be something that comes and comes. Right. That we want it to be something that takes root inside us and has a staying capacity. That becomes a permanent fixture. It's part of our personality. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> to be able to draw on that all the time. Well, yeah, and I believe it's possible. I believe so, too. Well, we know that it's yeah. possible from sadness. You know, really, why not see one side of it? It's to use the same password. It's a good riot. <laughs> a good riot. Okay. Let's take a look at one from Parsha's Zafar. These are all kind of short ones here. Page Kufchav Dalit, and that's um, second paragraph. Although it is the third paragraph from the top of the page, so we're consistent here. Timcha Zecher Amalek, you shall erase the memory of Amalek. Levadai Yochol Habore Yisbara Limchos Oso Berega Echad. It is certainly within Hashem's powers to erase Amalek in an instant. Right. What's this idea that it has to extend until finally it's destroyed? God could just destroy Amalek. Ah, however, Rotzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lezakos Es B'nei Yisroel Lehiyos Mechias Shemo Ayyadeh B'nei Yisroel Hashem wanted to give this Zechus to the Jewish people that the name of Amalek is erased through us. So instead of God obliterating Amalek in an instant, although it's challenging and difficult and creates a lot of suffering but he gives us the ability 
and the, the opportunity to destroy Amalek's shame and giving that to B'nai Yisrael creates the zahus for us. That's what Hashem wanted. Of course, you know, it's important to remember that a big part of Purim is the destruction of Amalek. And not just reading it and remembering what happened to Haman and his sons, that they were destroyed, but it, it is actually through our simcha on Purim that Amalek becomes destroyed you know, in the present, in the present tense. One of the reasons for that may be because the Torah says, Asher Korcha Badera, that Amalek cooled us down when we were out of, going out of its rhyme. They kind of dampened our spirits. So the victory over that is joy, the simcha. When Kla Yisrael therefore experienced a shleimistic, a simcha, a complete simcha, that in itself is a destruction of Amalek. So it creates a zechus for us that we destroy Amalek. And secondly, going back to the previous mimer, that's the destruction of Amalek that he's referring to, which therefore makes the achila on Purim like a korban. It's the simcha that we experience that destroys Amalek, and it's that same simcha and destruction which makes that achila last from the day into the night like a korban. Yes, Hanquin. Buffer sticker. Um, the best revenge is living well. Right. <laughs> so we can be the simcha. That's how to break it. Very good. Very good. Do you think the Amalekites are related to some way the Yisrael? Sure. Yeah, because there is, you know, a force of Amalek within every person. And uh, even though we don't know who that nation is out there in the world, but we try and identify what they did to our own Yetzirah and what it tries to do to us and overcome it. So maybe the constant struggle of Yetzirah over Yetzirah, there's actually Simcha in that struggle. And the, that's what keeps the Simcha alive all the time is that struggle the conscious that's great I mean and I think it's a great way to look at it because if we could be the simcha in our struggles I think we'd, we'd have the upper hand you know, the answer I told would have the upper hand but when we start we start to feel pulled down by the struggle itself that it starts to master us if we could really retain the simcha approach to the struggle there was a lot of spiritual spiritual benefit. Now, I think that's you know one of the keys that people who are able to do this well is is that they look at the struggle as an opportunity. So there's joy in that, as opposed to one more thing that brings me down in my life. It's a hard thing to do, but it, if it can be done, it's a great milestone. Mark, did you have a comment? Yes, yeah. I actually have a question because these days. A lot of people, they're not from, particularly in the secular community, are going to regard Purim as just a minor holiday, if you will. And they're going to say, or oh, I'll say, oh, I had a good time. I went to the Suda, I wore this, wore this and all that. Well, that's childish. Only children do that, or carnival, or whatever. So how do you tell an adult, be, you know, they're not, they're not educated enough, you know, in that sense, that without, if it wasn't for Purim, if it wasn't for, you know, an ace that really came out, we would not, as a, we would not be here, really. It's more than just a childish thing. This is, affects everybody because this is a constant reminder. How do you tell somebody? Well, you, you just did it. 
It's a major holiday. It's not a minor holiday. We don't have minor holidays. They're all major. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of the joy of the day is in relationship, just as you said, to our nation was saved from destruction. Well, it's not a full it's not a full like uh, There's no it's or malacha. No, but it's certainly not a minor day. It's a bad it's a bad English term is what it is when they say it's a minor holiday. It's, it's not a correct term. It doesn't come out right in English. And Mark, maybe one other point to emphasize when you make that point, which you see, which you did very well, is that, that the Talmud says that um, in the Messianic time, uh, that all the other holidays are good, we're not going to have anymore. We're going to return. Purimless. Also, of course, there are deeper ideas behind the dressing up and the costumes. No, one of them is that that is one of the most important messages of Purim. Now that the world is a mask and it disguises Hashem's presence and on Purim we were able to look behind the mask and see God's will and His plan. And the idea of dressing up on Purim is consistent with that, that we're presenting a certain facade and beneath the facade is the real, the real human being. And that's like, like the world is. It's one of the reasons we dress up on Purim. And also one of the telltale signs of that is kreplach. <laughs> when, when the minhag Yisrael is to eat kreplach like it is on Purim, and that's meat hidden inside of dough, it's the same concept, that there's something deeper, more hidden. Flesh, abyssal flesh. <laughs> Somehow there's a lot of food here. <laughs> same thing with limitation too, also, that the filling is hidden inside of the dough. Men hug you throw a tongue. Yeah, but you get to see if you got a prune or you <laughs> <laughs> After you bite into That's it. Right. 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 <laughs> is this an avoda or is this a tunnel? <laughs> okay, so there was one more that we could do because we have a little more time. Let me just find it. Just back to porn. Oh, oh, here it is. It's uh, it's actually not. That's why I couldn't find it. (laughs) It's uh, toward the end of Purim, Kuflamid. Very interesting. (laughs) Kuflamid, left side of the page, about three lines down. Kishinifkishu Harab HaKodesh Rav Yitzchak Mivorka Zatzav Rabbeinu Im Dr. Levi One time 
the Tzaddik of Yitzchak of Vorka and the Chidush Harim, they met with the doctor Levi. And who was he? Maskiro Shon Moshe Montefiore. He was the secretary of Moses Montefiore, right? Who was a great patron of uh, Klai Yisrael and of Torah. Ubikshu Mimenu Lifol Levato Limud Chova Shosafos Liade Yisrael. They asked Dr. Levi to try and make it effect a change that he should nullify the obligation of the Talmudim in schools to learn languages. So apparently there was a government requirement at the time that you had to learn languages. So they wanted to get it annulled and they came to this Dr. Levi who perhaps through Moses Montefiore could get it annulled. So Dr. Levy, he he gave a tiny Hello 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 me Megillas Esther Yeshlanu Okacha Shetzrichim Sofa. So he said Hold on a second There's a proof from the book of Esther That it's important to know other languages Why? Acheres lo haya Mordechai Mevin Tursis Otherwise Mordechai would not have understood That language Tursis Lashon Bigson Viseresh which is what the two guards were talking when they pl- uh, plotted Ahasuerus' murder, and the whole miracle followed that. Mordechai understood what they were saying, and then he reported it, and later on he was saved because of it. So he's trying to say, well, maybe it's a good thing for us to learn the languages in school. So Heshiva Rabbein, the Chidushi Harim, answered him, and he said, no, Mikan He says, it's a proof just for the opposite. If all the Jews knew foreign languages, then Big Son and Seresh would have been careful, and they wouldn't have spoken what they did in front of Mordechai, because they would think that the Jews know other languages. We have to speak only amongst ourselves, but they thought the Jews didn't. The Ilu Mordechai Ne'elatz, Hoya, it was Mordechai himself who put forth individual effort to know all 70 languages because he was on the Sanhedrin so that the Sanhedrin if they would have to hear a case from somebody who spoke a different language they didn't want to hear it through an interpreter because it takes away from the person's complaint so they had to know all the languages but the rest of Klai Yisrael, no, that's what the Chidush Arim answered. And he says, no, it would have been advantageous for us not to know them because then people don't think we know them as they're plotting against us in a foreign language. One of our Chachamim will be able to understand and he'll be able to take advantage of the situation. Clever, clever response. Uh, I read um, this in you English. In yeah. English, it was a, a book that was written. My wife got it out of one of the libraries. Uh-huh written in 1946 I believe uh-huh. so I had this story and then right right close afterwards this was right after the war said that in a speech Hitler himself said that if Germany is ever defeated they'll make another Purim the Jews will make another Purim mm-hmm. meaning he recognized he knew evidently he knew about Purim enough to say I'm like Haman, and if I go down, they'll have a, a reason to... Well, you know, at the, at the Nuremberg trials, when um, they were all convicted to be hung, 
and I forgot which one of them, after the conviction, he said, Purim fest for the Jews. And also there were ten who were executed at Nuremberg trials. This is a very famous Misa. I, I heard it came from the Avar Benel, that when it says the ten sons of Haman in the Megillah, there's three letters that are written small. They're all written very large. And three letters small, just Tuf, Shin, Zion. Look in the Megillah, you see those letters are small. And Tuf, Shin, Zion is 707. So the Abarbanel said that in the year 5707, there will be another 10 sons of Haman who will be executed. And the uh, Nuremberg trials, there were 11 who were convicted of execution. And the night before the execution, one of them committed suicide. And then the other ten were on. There's a lot of similarities there in the Chiyas Shema, Shel Amolik, Yimach Shema, Zichra Okay, Yashur Kalach. Mm.